ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Uh, yes, we've done school fundraisers before. Um, my eldest daughter was in a walkathon for her school. My commitment to that fundraiser was signing a piece of paper saying I will pay, uh, it was 25 cents a lap. Signing that piece of paper took me 10 seconds and I didn't think about it ever again and that was it. That's what every parent secretly wants their school fundraiser to be like. Easy, low commitment. Sign the form and walk away. But sometimes it just doesn't go like that. I was in shock. We didn't know what we got ourselves in for. But to be honest, it was such a blur at the end of it. I have no idea. I don't know how I, you know, functioned in the morning and had a shower properly. I'm Farza Draki, and this is Days Like These. Primary school fundraisers aren't supposed to threaten your ability to function normally in life. They're supposed to be simple, like chucking a box of chocolates at the office or signing a walkathon form. But Monique Bowley brings us a story of a school fundraiser that went well, a little too well. So much so that it sent a family into meltdown. Denmark, the happiest place in the world. Home to Princess Mary. Home to Huga. Huga. Huggy. Huggy. You know, that thing where you feel like the soft glow of candlelight or like a cosy rug? Whatever. And home to Jen and Hamie and their two perfect children who live in a tiny house in a tiny town in the middle of absolute Danish nowhere land. Billund is a very small town. There's no traffic lights. It's about 50k from the sea in both directions. You've just got cows and wind turbines and fields. In winter, you could see no one crossing the street, like deer would cross the street sometimes. So you, you can't really get more rural in Denmark, but you literally are in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> Why would an Australian family live in the Danish wilderness? What's Billund got that we don't have? And then all of a sudden you're in this very small town that has these huge factories in it. And that's the headquarters of Lego. Hamie and Jen both work at Lego. You know, the small plastic brick that 400 million people on the planet have played with. The toy that ranges in scale from casual hobby to cult obsession. That disproportionate pain you get when you step on it barefoot. Ow! That Lego. That Lego. The company sells seven sets every second around the world. Seven. Seven. They've already sold almost a thousand sets in the time that you've been listening to this episode. Lego knows scale. They know big. They know how to build. So right in the middle of this town where there isn't even a bank or a post office, they boot the deer out of the way and they build Lego House. The Lego house is right in the centre of town. Uh, it, it took several years to build as a kind of monument to Lego. It's like the Museum of Lego. Just kind of like a little mini wonderland in the, the centre of town. That It's designed to look like a big stack of uh, Lego bricks. Very, very cutting edge in terms of the materials it uses and the energy use. And it's quite a stunning building. So they have a lot of events there. Uh, it's sort of that, you know, focal point, almost like town hall of the, the little town. 
but in summer it's like, you know, the Gold Coast theme parks. It's just ridiculous. Working there isn't exactly for the average person. It's pretty elite. The company has such exacting standards that apparently when they manufacture Lego, only 18 out of 1 million Lego bricks is considered defective. That's like 0.0018%. Can you imagine telling your kids, oh yeah, daddy works at Lego. Like, what a flex. Yeah, I was an element designer. So I designed a bicycle. I was in the superheroes team for a while, so... Uh, a web for Spider-Man, Captain America's helmet. So actually designing the physical pieces. So yeah, it was a wonderful job, fantastic, fantastic job. It's a very dynamic and energetic workplace. You've got people from all over the world and because it's a really big design organisation, you've got people with unbelievable talent. You know, they're getting people from all over the world. It really is the best of the best. So the talent is just mind-blowing. It really is the golden ticket to sort of work there. So not only is Hamy working in the dream job, there's another perk that him and Jen stumble across. We found that people just loved Australians. People love Australians full stop. So it is a very, very international community. But as soon as you meet a couple of people and you mention you're Australian, they've either had a really good experience of people they've met from Australia or they had a really good time in Australia. It could have been partly Princess Mary's doing, but... <laughs> yeah, it, like it's great from our point of view, but... Um, it's, sometimes it could actually almost be a little bit too much, too much, too much, too much. Too hmm. Much. Hear that weird echo? I put that there because that's like a really big clue that something's going to happen. So Hamy had the perfect job in the perfect country with the perfect family and the perfect Aussie reputation. He had no idea that this fervent love of Australia would almost prove to be his undoing. It all started at their kids' school. Okay, so uh, my daughters are Eva and Lola. So Lola, as part of their grade four year, she had to pull together uh, something around a particular topic and she chose poverty. So she chose to raise money for UNICEF. She had uh, decided that she liked the idea of baking biscuits and selling them. I remember sort of looking at those like sort of American Girl Scout biscuits and thinking I wanted to do something that was like that and she wanted to um, approach Lego House and, you know, being in the centre of town, it's a really good spot where she thought she could sell a lot of biscuits. So her teacher had suggested maybe that was too big a, a thing to take on. He sort of just said, oh, I don't really think that's a good idea. But I went and did it anyway. Lola decides on Anzac biscuits. They're easy to make and they're Australian. And she decides she'll bake a few and set up a little table in the foyer of Lego House. Like a little lemonade stand situation. Cute, right? So um, Lola approached Lego House. She reached out to them and asked if she could sell biscuits. And they said, no, we we probably can't sell them that way, but we could offer to sell them to the staff. So Lola designed a little sign, sort of, you know, curly font. And I think we called them Aussie oat cookies. And uh, she had written on the sign that she was raising money for UNICEF to help poor children. Uh, And down the bottom was my phone number. My phone number was on the flyer because that's how people made payments and received payments in Denmark. Every time a payment comes to your um, mobile number, a notification pops up on the screen. So the flyer is all set to go out to the staff in the morning and Jen and Lola are quietly confident that they might get a few orders. Okay, so I was sitting in meetings that morning 
Um, I knew that we were going to be receiving some orders and uh, my phone was just sitting beside me and I started receiving some uh, notifications. I felt excited because I knew Lola would be really, really excited about the fact that we'd started selling. What was happening was that the notifications were popping up quite regularly and uh, it was more than just one ding and then silence. When I got a message from my wife on the phone saying, oh, we're getting quite a lot of orders through. The phone was going ding, ding, ding. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then, you know, I'm continuing working. And then, and then another message saying, my phone won't stop pinging. And pinging and pinging and pinging. And it didn't stop. And the more I looked at my phone, the more another message popped up. As soon as the sign had gone out at Lego House, people had thought, I want biscuits. We're getting so many orders. I had to turn my phone on silent. Notifications often turn the phone over so I couldn't see them appearing on the screen because it was too distracting. So the meeting finished. I think it had been only a period of maybe an hour. I turned my phone over and got quite a shock. 200. Not just a few, I had to scroll. 300. To keep going through all the notifications. 400. And got quite a shock when I started to add up. 500. What I could see already were hundreds of biscuits. 600. In my mind, I kept thinking, oh, I can't really stop this. This is great. You know, this is money that Lola's raising. This is exactly what she wanted. 700. But at the same time, I was trying to think how many people were at Lego House, how many more orders might come in. And I thought, we can't. We can't keep going. We've got to stop. (laughs) I have to make a stop now. 800. I I got in touch with the manager at Lego House and said, look, could you please let everybody know that there's no more biscuits for sale? 895 biscuits. Once I realised that we had nearly 900 biscuits to make, I was in shock, panic, and also how am I going to get everyone in my family to help me with this because I knew it wouldn't be Lola making nearly 900 biscuits on her own. We didn't know what we got ourselves in for, really. You know what? It's fine. Jen is an accomplished cook and a high achiever and a type A and super organised. Also, she's a woman and a mother, so we can probably just file this under invisible work that women who are already at capacity just have to shoulder and get done. (sighs) So relax. Mum has totally got this. My wife, 90% of the time, does the cooking in our house. I live and breathe to cook and be in the kitchen. And, and you know, I'm not the best cook in the world. In the past, when my husband went in the kitchen to do any kind of cooking process, I did tend to hover uh, to watch what he was doing, give suggestions, maybe criticise just a little. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he never really tended to do much cooking on his own. No, I hadn't done a huge amount of baking. And by huge amount of baking, I mean zero baking. Reminder, this is a commercial level of biscuits that they need to make. Only the kitchen was not commercial at all. It was another C word. Cramped. I mean cramped. The kitchen from day one was my most utter disappointment in the house that we rented in Billen. Yeah, it was a very small, cramped, not very nice kitchen. So it had a fridge in it, but the fridge was tiny. It was like a bar fridge. No pantry. This oven was so tiny that... We would struggle getting pizzas in there sometimes. I tried to cook with the door open 
we were always juggling. We were always moving things from one shelf to another to try and to fit things in. Really, if one person was cooking, another person couldn't be in there. The trays we had, we had to go to a smaller tray to fit in the oven. And I think we could only do about two trays at a time in that oven. Yeah, we, we would probably be looking at a maximum of 15 biscuits. The first thing that Lola did was she was in the kitchen. A cup of flour, a cup of oats, a cup of coconut. It was her project, so I, I took photos for social media. Three quarters of a cup of caster sugar. There's Lola, there's her biscuits, Lola baking biscuits. 125 grams of butter melted on the stove with two tablespoons of golden syrup. There's Lola with another tray of biscuits. You know, it was all very much like a, a, a fun kind of adventure. Bicarb and boiling water poured into the golden syrup. We're all excited. We're all ready to help. And stirred, formed into balls and flattened with a fork. And um, we were going to get through this. We were going to do it. Baked in the oven at about 165 degrees. How many did I bake? I'm not sure how many I did. I think she helped with maybe two batches before I, I reckon at that point we didn't see Lola again for a while and it turned into the Amy and Jen baking show. <laughs> this is what kids do, right? Like promising if you get a dog, they will walk it every day. Then when it comes to it, you're the one scooping up the poo. With Lola off with her friends, Jen and Hamie take charge. And at this point, they're less than 10% of the way through the order when there's a small Lego spanner in the works. I was uh, at home for the first two days to help with the baking, but then I went off on a trip for work to Italy and I left the family with the rest of the baking. And part of me was like, oh, that's fantastic. And that was tempered with, uh, oh, and you've left me with this massive job to do, thank you very much, that you organised. But I don't think even at that stage I realised what I was getting myself in for. Just to recap, Amy has never baked biscuits before, let alone over 800 biscuits in an oven the size of a letterbox. So it was up to me and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I've got the kids and we're going to have dinner and, you know, I finish work at this time. And then I think the first night I thought, oh, look, I'll start on making these these Anzac biscuits. Oats. You know, and it's the first time you do it, so it obviously takes longer and you're working stuff out and... Butter. And then you, you do it, and you think, that's taken like an hour and a half. Uh, the baking soda. All right, well, that means there's only like 930 to go. And the kitchen is like an absolute mess, so there's just stuff everywhere. Oh, coconut, yes, I forgot the coconut. And the kids need this, and the dogs are barking, and I've got it, you know... And there's all the little oats and you know, stuff you've dropped on the floor and, you know, bits of butter that you've had to sort of just throw down. So it's, it's really messy. And then you put that with the golden syrup. And then quite often the dogs would come in uh, and they'd be sniffing around. You're trying to get rid of them, you know, and you're in a very, very small space trying to juggle this stuff. And as you cook, you know, you've got to put all the uh, dishes sort of in the sink. But because I was doing it all last night, I haven't cleaned the dishes up from the night before. It's just this big pile. It's just a big, big mess. Um, and so I would check in and find out, you know, how much he got to where, you know, how many did he have left? And you, it sort of dawns on you, wow, the, I have to do this cycle like probably another 25 times. Yeah, it was for a, for a couple of weeks just constantly, how many do I have to do tonight? I don't know how I, you know, functioned in the morning and had a shower properly because it was just, you know, dreams of Anzac biscuits and 
you know, nightmares of Anzac biscuits and going to sleep thinking of Anzac biscuits and waking up thinking of Anzac biscuits. When I went to work, um, my colleagues were aware of the amount of work I was doing, but I think through my thousand-yard stare, they just knew not to ask. Hamy was barely functioning at work and at home things were falling apart. The thing is, he couldn't just give up. Giving up would mean disappointing his colleagues and having to process hundreds of humiliating refunds. Giving up would be a stain on the good name of Australians. He couldn't do it to the nation. He couldn't do it to Princess Mary. He had to keep going. So night after night, he baked. And slowly, he was getting there, one biscuit at a time. And if he could just keep it up, this whole thing would be over soon. You know, go to work, finish, come home, you know, six hours of baking for the next two weeks. And that's if, if, that's, if everything works. Like if nothing, if one thing fails, the whole thing would have fallen over. So while I was initially, I got a message from Hamy saying, we've run out of golden syrup. And that was a key moment where I knew things might start to fall apart. Without golden syrup, we had no Anzac biscuits. They couldn't find it anywhere. Golden syrup just does not exist in Denmark. They'd come this far and now the whole production line had ground to a halt. Staff all over Lego House were waiting patiently for their little golden slice of Australia. And despite Jan and Hamy riding the Australian wave of popularity, they were going to fail to deliver. So Jen did what any Australian would do when the chips were down. She got scrappy. So my wife, you know, went on a big calling up supermarkets or asking other people or just trying to find where we could get this stuff from. With supermarkets at a dead end, she decides to try the place that any desperate mother tries. Facebook. We had a local Facebook group for um, Billund Internationals, it was called, and uh, people would ask for certain things, ask for help. I put a call out to ask if anyone had any golden syrup. I just said we needed golden syrup urgently, and did anyone have any? There were a lot of suggestions for different alternatives to use, and in the past I had tried these, but I knew none of them worked. Jen orders a batch of syrup from Amazon in Germany, but it was going to take too long to arrive. And then a golden Facebook lead. So a woman replied to my message saying she had half a bottle of golden syrup in her pantry and I was welcome to come and get it. Uh, I came over to her place as quickly as I could to get that bottle because we needed that golden syrup as soon as possible. Jen flies back from Italy that day to land on the doorstep of a stranger's house to root around in the back of her pantry to get her greedy hands on the syrup. The idea that we could maybe spread the order out wasn't something I thought we should do. So I wanted to try and get this still done in a quick time. I didn't want people waiting for their biscuits. They'd paid us money. They were waiting for their biscuits. And with that, they crawl across the finish line. When the last batch went in the oven, we knew that this was this was it. This was our last, you know, 30-something biscuits, I think it might have been, just to finish off the baking. So when that last batch went in the oven, it was just the sense of utter relief. We've done it. We've actually done it. I'm actually struggling to remember if I did have a feeling of sort of victory or satisfaction of doing the last batch. I actually think I was that tired. It was just, okay, I've done it, and now I'm going to go to sleep and not think about it. 
and possibly tidy up in the morning. They'd bloody done it. They'd pieced it together, bit by bit. And in a place that was known for building big, extraordinary things, they made their little Australian mark. When Lola delivered the first batch to Lego House, it was almost like a PR event. They made sure that they had a couple of people outside ready to take a photo of her, handing the biscuits over, all smiles, with the Lego House sign behind. And so it was a big moment. <laughs> Lola ended up raising 2,625 Danish krona, which was around 521 Australian dollars. And for Jen, she'll keep going. <laughs> I always bake Anzac biscuits. I will never stop baking Anzac biscuits. That's my thing. That's like the after-school snack. That's the have-to-make-them-an-Anzac-day snack. That's the I-need-something-really-quickly-for-the-lunchbox snack. They're so quick. They're so easy. I, it, this process hasn't traumatised me so much that I couldn't make Anzac biscuits again. <laughs> I have a 60-year-old cookbook that my mum had from her mum and the Anzac biscuit page is still stuck together with old oats and golden syrup. <laughs> but for Lola and Hamy, well, I guess you could call them one big wonders. I really don't think I have baked any Anzac biscuits since. It's been, I think, like three years. I have categorically not baked any Anzac biscuits since. Thanks so much for listening to Days Like These. This episode was made on the lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. It was reported by Monique Bowley. She won a blue ribbon for her Anzac biscuits at the Royal Adelaide Show. Her recipe's online and it's, it's really good. You've got to look it up. The supervising producer was Tim Roxburgh. He's partial to a mint slice. Sound design and engineering by John Jacobs, who froths on an Anzac bicky. Our executive producer is Sophie Tim Tam Townsend. I'm Faza Draki, and I'm all about the chocolate chip. See you next time. Hey everyone, Miff and Zan here, hosts of the Bang On podcast. Bang On's a one-stop shop for all the conversations you need to be across this week, but you don't have the time to read the think pieces for. So many think pieces. <laughs> we are the cheats guide to the think pieces. We also love to bang on about TV shows, books, movies, and even fashion. We want to take being across the news and pop culture off your mental to-do list and turn it into just a fun hang with mates. Come and join the Bang Fam. We're on the ABC Listen app or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.